How are you now? How are you now? Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes on the Prize. I am Matt Drake and if you've been around since I started doing this podcast at the beginning of round 1, you know that normally I like to cut in and I like to give a little summary of the game, talk about what happened. I'm not sure how I can do that this time because I am steaming mad about what I just witnessed. By now, everyone's seen it. Uh, end of the game. Habs had a 4-2 to lead. Uh, the Jets pull their goalie. They get one back. And then the puck gets sent into the Jets zone with their net empty. Jake Evans wins the race by a mile. Comes around behind the net, tucks it in, and immediately after he tucks it in, Mark Shifley takes a disgusting, disgusting run and hits him after the puck crosses the line. There was head contact. It was clearly charging. A defenseless player, you, you name it, tick off the boxes. Just a disgusting hit. Clear attempt to injure. Clear attempt to injure. And he succeeded in his attempt to injure because for the second time in these playoffs, we had to see somebody stretchered off the ice. And this time it wasn't an accident. This time, the guy who did it knew exactly what he was doing. Um, He was being a petulant child all game long, just apparently not able to handle losing. So he decides to take his frustrations out on somebody physically and potentially cause a serious injury. I mean, Jake Evans was not moving on the ice after he took that hit. He was laying face down on the ice, not moving at all, and they had to stretcher him off. It's, I'm, I'm at a loss for words. I really am. If the Department of Player Safety doesn't step in and suspend Mark Shifley for the rest of that series, give him seven games, make sure he's not coming back in this series, because it's deserved. And if you don't, I guarantee you, the next game that he's back out against the Habs, it's going to devolve into something that has no earthly resemblance to hockey it's going to get violent it's going to get violent if you don't police these things then you leave the players to police it themselves i am a supporter of fighting in hockey for the specific reason that it's a physical sport and sometimes guys are going to go at it a little bit and they're going to drop the gloves and i think that's fine but i'm not a fan of forced fights because of something that the league refuses to do anything about And let's face it, the bar is really low for the Department of Player Safety. It's really low. But if they don't recognize this one and they don't do something about it, I'm I'm telling you, Friday's game is going to be ugly. It's it's not going to be fun for any of us to watch. And we're running the risk of other people getting injured as a result of this. So the league had better step in and do their damn job in a way that they don't normally do. Now, I don't want to spend the entire podcast talking about this, but... Just to close it out, anybody defending that hit, anybody defending that hit, I'm going to point you to one simple fact. The puck was already over the line when he made the hit. That makes the hit completely unnecessary. That makes the only object of that hit. We're normally hitting in hockey. The object is to separate your opponent from the puck. Jake Evans already separated himself from the puck when he put it into the net. The goal is already scored, and you hit him. So what is that? Is that a hockey play? No. That is you attempting to injure somebody because you can't handle the fact that you just got scored on and you're about to lose the game. So, you know what? Uh, Mark Shifley, uh, I'm sure you're not listening, but if 
on the off chance anybody shows this to him, I hope you step on a Lego. I hope, better yet, that you have to walk barefoot through a hallway that is strewn wall to wall with Legos, the sharp ones, the ones that really suck to step on. And then I hope when you finally get through and your, your, your feet are killing you, you go home and you order a pizza and I hope they put anchovies on it. I hope they put rancid, rotten anchovies on your pizza. And I hope that you hate anchovies. And if you don't hate anchovies, then I don't know. I hope they put pineapple on it. And if you like pineapple, I'll keep going. We can just pick a bunch of different things until I find the thing that you don't like. And I hope they put it on there. And I hope you have nothing else to eat. So that's the only thing that you can eat. And I hope it's terrible. I hope that you spend the rest of the next day on the toilet as a result of eating that. I just hope that the rest of your week sucks. Because the rest of my week is probably going to suck regardless of what happens on Friday after watching that. I mean, just gutted for Jake Evans. Absolutely gutted. I mean, he was playing really well, important part of the team. So I'll I'll end it on that. Is I, I hope he's okay. I hope he gets back to playing as soon as possible. Not too soon because that was pretty scary. Uh, best wishes to him, man. It was his birthday, for Christ's sakes. And that has to happen to him. I mean, come on. I guess uh, all that's left now is for the team to come together and try to win this damn series for Jake Evans, and uh, I guess that's a good segue for me to get back into talking about the actual game itself, because the good news is that there were plenty of reasons in Game 1 to believe that the Montreal Canadiens are the better team in this series. I mean, the first period started out pretty slow, not a lot of action, I mean, it seemed like they were feeling each other out. Uh, the Jets have been on a, a nine-day uh, delay because they swept the Oilers. So they, they seemed like they were still trying to find their legs. And the Habs looked like they were feeling them out. And all of a sudden, bang, bang, Habs scored two really quick goals in less than two minutes of actual game time to take the lead. The first one, beautiful slap pass. Beautiful slap pass from Jeff Petrie up at the point. Down to Jesperi Kakanyemi at the side of the net. Just Keeps his stick on the ice, puts it in. Uh, honestly, Kakanyemi having a wonderful playoffs. And if Jeff Petrie can start getting going uh, on the blue line, that would be huge for this team. But uh, that slap pass from Petrie, man, that was that was a thing of beauty. He knew exactly where Kakanyemi was going to be. Fantastic. Uh, less than two minutes after that, the old guys get involved. So Corey Perry, Eric Stahl, Yoel Armia, they're just absolutely hemming the Jets in their own zone. Corey Perry kind of dances around a little bit, sneaks a nice pass through, I think it went through the crease a little bit, but very very low in the slot, if not through the crease. And Eric Stahl is waiting there, bangs it in, 2-0. Wow. Habs are off to a fantastic start. Whether that had anything to do with the Jets and their nine-day layoff, we'll push that to the side for a moment. The fact of the matter is, the Habs, doing it at 5-on-5, five five, are absolutely throttling the Jets. Which is a pretty good thing because the Habs, the first goal they gave up was while they were on the power play. Um, Eric Gustafson, uh, I don't know what he was thinking. He gets the puck at the blue line. He tried to do like a spinorama and then he just kind of tried to backhand it towards the middle of the zone with somebody bearing down on him. And of course, he loses the puck. And then he looks winded, like as if he's at the end of a five-minute shift, but he was just patrolling the blue line on, a, on the power play. 
So I he I don't know why he was that tired and that incapable of catching back up. But anyways, he he can't, and Adam Lowry skates down, gets in on Price, and beats him. It's 2-1. Not to fear, however, because the Habs are still dominating the game at 5-on-5. And not long after, we get one of the most ridiculous displays of individual ability by Nick Suzuki. I mean, he takes a fantastic... Like, almost three-zone pass from Joel Edmondson. And he's in, basically in a two-on-one. And he just toe-drags around Connor Hellebuck and then tucks it into the net. Uh, If you haven't seen it, I strongly recommend that you go to uh, NHL.com or or go even to Eyes on the Prize and check it out. We'll have it up there as well. Uh, Ridiculous individual display by Nick Suzuki there. Uh, But I can't say enough for the pass from Joel Edmondson that allowed him to put on that individual display. So the Habs get out of the first period up with a 3-1 lead. Things could not possibly be going any better. Second period ends up being a wash, which is good for the Habs because it has been their nemesis in this in these playoffs uh, with the long change. Uh, nobody gains an advantage with the long change. Nothing happens. Nobody scores. We get into the third period still with a 3-1 lead. Uh, eventually, Derek Forbort gets one back for the Jets. Uh, now we're, we're starting to feel a little bit concerned, right? It's 3-2. We got a bit of a problem. However, the Montreal Canadiens get a power play. And somehow, I don't know. I, I, don't, I definitely don't think this was designed, but Shea Weber gets a breakaway. Not exactly known for his soft hands or his, uh, or his deking skills. He gets stopped by Connor Hellebuck. But Brennan Gallagher with a very Brendan Gallagher-type goal, comes in, cleans it up, puts it in the net, and we're back to a two-goal lead. It's 4-2. to two. From there, uh, you know, I kind of already gave it away at the beginning of the podcast in describing the ugly incident, how it ended. Habs win 5-3. But, you know, what did we learn? What did we learn? I'll tell you what we learned from the game and not the ugly part at the end of the game. The Habs are a better team than the Jets at 5-on-5. If you go to Natural Stat Trick and you check the statistics at 5-on-5, they heavily favored the Canadians in every possible category. Shot attempts, about 56%. Unblocked shot attempts, 58%. Scoring chances, 59%. High danger scoring chances, 81%. Expected goals, 61.46% in favor of the Montreal Canadiens. They dominated this game at 5-on-5. From pillar to post, they dominated it. If they can give efforts like that every single game of this series at 5-on-5, they have an extremely good chance of winning this series. The only issue, and I think it's going to become an issue for sure, is the Jets' power play looks ridiculously good. If they end up getting a lot of power play opportunities in any of these games, they're eventually going to start converting on them. They didn't in game one, but you don't want to play with fire, and that unit is clearly a raging fire. Uh, They're considerably more dynamic than what the Leafs were bringing. Uh, Their puck movement is excellent. I mean, Carey Price made a couple of really big saves on the power plays that they did get. 
to keep things on an even keel there so that they didn't end up getting shelled but it's not something it's it's definitely not something that they're necessarily going to be able to replicate every single game if the jets get a lot of opportunities eventually they're going to break through so that's one thing that the habs are going to have to do is avoid going to the box at all costs and if you do go to the box i mean they they better come up with a way to be a little bit more aggressive on the penalty kill because the the jets were kind of having their way and luckily carry price was good and they were able to get some key clears to avoid you know really getting shelled but it could end up being a problem for them if they can't strategize a way to a stay out of the box and b do a little bit more to defend when they do go to the box but i mean the 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 main takeaway from game one has to be the habs look better at five on five they look better at five on five most of the game is played at five on five and as long as they keep looking like that at five on five they could win this series once again all of the mainstream media most of the mainstream media anyways are picking the jets to win it but if you look at that game specifically from a five on five standpoint the habs look like the better team player of the game um big shout out joel edmondson he had quite possibly his best game in a montreal canadians uniform uh, the pass to set up Nick Suzuki for his goal, for the third goal of the first period, was just fantastic. He took his time, uh, great vision, just waited until he had the right opening and made a perfect pass to Suzuki to set him loose. Uh, if if this is just him being excited about playing against his hometown team because he is from Manitoba, great. If this is him finding his game and you know stepping up to the best that he can possibly be at the right moment, even better. Uh, all I can say is like that easily for me that's the best game I've seen him play in a Habs uniform and all I can say is I, I hope that he keeps it up because uh, what a game from him absolutely fantastic honorable mentions uh, there should be quite a few uh, I'd say Cole Caulfield Nick Suzuki they look like they're having fun they look like they're uh, they're just on they're on the edge of breaking through to the point where they're going to be unstoppable I don't know when that'll be but the, the good news is they look like they're having fun they look like they're they're able to create. It's it's a it's a good thing to see. How about uh, Eric Stahl and Corey Perry? Don't look now, but Eric Stahl has six points in seven games, and Corey Perry has five points in eight games. They are both in the top five of scoring for the Montreal Canadiens in these playoffs. Uh, before the playoffs started, I was talking about the lineup with my buddy Jared Book from Eyes on the Prize. And he said that, you know, Dominique Ducharme obviously made the decision that he wanted to see if those veterans could could carry him. If their experience and their big game ability could carry this team in the playoffs. So far, that's the case. I have no problem admitting when, I, when I'm wrong. I, I had problems with this lineup. I didn't like the fact that they were icing the old guys. But you know what? I was wrong. I was 100% wrong. Both of them are playing fantastic. They're they're playing effective hockey, and they're putting up big points. That's about it. Uh, game two is this Friday. Um, I'm I'm hoping that they, I'm hoping that there's not an ugly incident to completely throw me off in my ability to put together a, a well structured podcast for you all. Uh, I do appreciate everybody for listening. We'll see uh, in the course of the next day or two if there's going to be any lineup changes, which we assume there will be. Thanks to Mark Shifley. Hope there's some discrepancies in your tax return there, bud. 
hope the CRA calls you up and you have to spend the entire summer getting audited and having them some jerk from the CRA come to your house and go through every receipt that you have. I hope it's painful and I hope it happens soon. I hope the Montreal Canadiens eliminate you from the playoffs and you can spend your entire summer being audited by the CRA and eating pizza with rancid anchovies on it while stepping on Legos. That's it for today's episode. We are once again going to be ooh, in the 17-minute range. So, vraiment, une grosse soirée pour les employés de soutien. We are on Spotify, Apple, uh, Google Play, Megaphone. I am on Twitter, at DrakeMT. Drop me a line. Send me a DM. Don't judge me too hard on this episode. Like I said, hopefully, uh, there's not a disgusting incident to throw me off next game on Friday. And on that note, there will be another game, so I can say it one more time. À la prochaine.